Join me on March 14th as I'm joined by Condé Nast Traveller's senior editor, Megan Spirell, to share a behind-the-scenes peek into the making of our Women Who Travel Power List. But there's so much more waiting for you in the full article. From film directors to war journalists to wildlife ecologists, these women are reshaping the travel landscape and leaving a lasting impact on the world. Tune in to hear why Megan and myself are so excited about the 15 women we've chosen to highlight. Subscribe to cntraveler.com today to access the complete list and be inspired by their incredible journeys. And for a limited time, our listeners can unlock everything Traveller has to offer for just $5. Simply use code POD5, that's P-O-D-5, at checkout to access exclusive travel insights, breathtaking destinations, and invaluable tips to fuel your adventure spirit. All for just $5. And remember, every adventure starts with just one step. Join us in celebrating the power of women in travel. Visit cntraveler.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. A lot of people spend a lot of money on things like skincare, fast fashion, and even surgery, all in the name of self-improvement. But as the price of perfection rises, when is it time to call it quits? I'm Rima Hreis, host of This Is Uncomfortable, a podcast from Marketplace. This season, we dig deep into the financial trappings of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, and welcome to Women Who Travel, a podcast from Kind Ass Traveler. I'm Meredith Carey, and we took a break last week because I was off in Colombia with Women Who Travel. I had an amazing time, and if you checked it out on Instagram, you can book your own spot on a Women Who Travel trip to Colombia this December. And we also launched trips to Mexico, which are going out this fall, so check those out as well at elcamino.travel. Finally, back from her trip to Bermuda is my co-host, Aliara Koglu. Hello. And uh, we have both been traveling so much, which means it is summer, a prime travel time, and prime reading time more than anything. So this week, we decided to return to one of our favorite topics, books, as we've discussed on this podcast before with this exact panel of people. Uh, any book can be a beach read. So to give you some summer inspo, we have two of our favorite bookworms in the studio. We are joined by Jen Dilling-Martin, associate publisher at Riverhead Books, and Polly Dibner, Traveler's Director of Operations. As always, our picks are exclusively written by women. Jen, I'd like to kick it off with you. What book have you loved most so far this year? Oh, thanks so much. It's so nice to be back with you guys. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go straight to the classics, actually, because I'm just back from some time in Germany and Austria. And we might have said this last time, but when you're traveling on a plane, you want to make sure the book you have is actually a really good read. And so I often pick up like Penguin Classics when I'm traveling. And I was rereading Edith Warden's Custom of the Country. I haven't done that one. Yeah. 
if you guys don't know Edith Wharton, I mean, she's considered, you know, one of the, the wittiest, funniest, warmest writers of 1910s, 20s, 30s. And she's very famous for several other books like House of Mirth. Um, but Custom of the Country is kind of her bitchiest, funniest, edgiest book. And it stars this divorcee, which was very scandalous at the time, who has like divorcing her way up in society. And <laughs> it's set a lot. It moves between New York City and Europe and travels around Europe. And so it felt like a good thing to bring to um, my time in Europe. I like I like reading things, as we've discussed, that are set in the place that I'm, I'm going. So Was it very heavy? Because I know you like to bring particularly heavy books <laughs> I know. I am getting a bad reputation. No, this is... <laughs> like, like fi- to clarify, physically heavy. <laughs> Yeah, especially when you're going hiking, I hear you like a good eight pounder. I know, I know. I've 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 earned a very bad reputation, so I'm, I tried to like pre-game some lighter picks for this time. So this is no, this is like breezy, fun. You know, this is the Sally Rooney of the 1910s and 20s. Shall we'll we? get to her later. I know, I'm sure we would. Um, so, but if you really want just absolutely delicious class, society, scandal, and with you know just a sentence you want to underline every paragraph because it's so funny and so sharp. I think this is my personal favorite Edith Warden novel. Did you finish it on the plane or did it extend? I did not. Germany? It made it it made it all the way to some train rides around oh, Germany. Ooh, too, so. That's Perfect. the dream. So before just before when we were walking over to the studio, Jin, you mentioned that you have been to is it ten, ten. countries in one year? Yeah. Where and why? Yeah, list, list, of, list them up. Oh, God. Uh, that's not even fun. Like, Germany, <laughs> Austria, England. I'll just say, it's been a bunch of different European countries, <laughs> as well as uh, Japan. Um, did we go somewhere else this year? Yeah, I think I think that's all. Pretty yeah. incredible. Oh, in Mexico. Yeah. We did Mexico oh, City. Oh, and Argentina. I knew that was for something. <laughs> oh, just, um, oh, just Argentina. <laughs> Quick one. Um, Mexico City is the greatest, though. That's my soul city. The, the greatest. Yep. I have never been. Yep. It's the greatest. It's yep. one of my favorite places in the world. Yep. It is such a yep. special place. Yep. I just went this March for the first time. Only ever been one time. Went for five days. It was the best. Astonishingly fun and affordable and just incredibly accessible. And the, the culture is so wonderful and the food's stupid delicious. Um, it felt like New Orleans to me and where I just ate straight through for four days and then like got to the end and was like, oh, oh, God, <laughs> I am so ill. Um, but there was so much more for you to eat. It's true. It was like you got, just, you only got so far. Yeah, I know you can only get so far. Um, while I was there, I read *The Age of Light*, which had nothing to do with Mexico City. It just was the book I read while I was traveling there. By I'm going to pronounce this incredibly wrong, Whitney. I'm so sorry, Whitney Scharer, I think, which is a fictionalized, like a novelization of. Lee Miller and uh, and her kind of love story with Man Ray. Um, oh, I'm so the, fascinated by Lee Miller. Oh, God, Lale, it's so I was, good. As like an artsy teen thinking, I was like, I'm going to be a photographer. I became mm-hmm. like obsessed with Lee Miller after I saw some this exhibition about her at the v in London. And she's always continued to be a source of intrigue to me because she also was like incredibly ahead of her time. Super I mean, duper. talk about a feminist. Mm-hmm. And it's actually thought, and they kind of unpack it a little bit in the book, but it's only rumored that a bunch of his work she actually shot, Mm. um, which is fascinating and kind of fascinating to explore his legacy through her lens. But it's about her time as a, she was a war correspondent um, and her time in Paris, like her life that led her to be a war correspondent and then her unpacking that. It is Mm. highly recommended. Mm. I I don't always love a fictionalization of 
like a, a faux story. Biography yeah, it's of. not really my style, but this one was particularly excellent. Yeah, uh, that reminds me of a book that I read earlier this year, which was definitely inspired by Oscar season back at the start, um, mm-hmm. but is an author that I love and an author that we've had on this podcast before, which is I finally read The Wife by Meg Wallitzer. Oh, oh so good. Which is just God, what a heartbreaking book. So good. And I read it in I think forty eight hours. <laughs> so glad she like was like very lauded this season. Yeah, I feel like Meg got her due this Meg season. Wilson. Yeah, it was yeah. very exciting. Yeah, yeah, and but similar, very feminist, like a very feminist uh, take on. And it's sort of there's this moment in the book I don't want to give anything away, but where you suddenly it like clicks in your head exactly what the book is about and what has been happening and it is just like a punch in the stomach Mm. and then from that Mm. point on you're turning each page being like oh god I don't know how this character is going to overcome this Mm. Ah, brilliant book yeah we also we mentioned Sally Rooney but I know Lolly you've been just like buzzing to be able to talk about her on this episode yes I think people are very divided over her I love her I've read I actually read conversations with friends when I was on the women who travel Columbia trip and you know, it's I. we've talked before about how there's kind of like no such thing as a beach read because sort of anything could be a beach read. But highly recommend reading Conversations with Friends by the pool, preferably in Cartagena, as I did with a fruit platter next to you. <laughs> um, the fruit platter is key. Oh, God, it was so refreshing. It was lovely. Should we do a quick love-hate straw poll? Yes. So wait, so has everyone... I'm, Ill, I'm ill-equipped to vote in this <gasps> poll. Oh, I see you have it. You guys, what? To, so I have, when we're recording this, I have gotten two chapters into Normal People and had to stop because I had to take a ferry, but I didn't want to. So that's that's my pigeon for the poll. I understood <laughs> I there like were only design. two people on the planet left who hadn't read her <laughs> and somehow two. two of the four are in this room. And two very well-read people on the planet. No, this was like, Shock. this was my problem with the Ferrante books. It's like, once we get a certain saturation point, I'm just like, all right, I'll find you in a few years. Did you read oh. the Ferrante books? Yes. Okay. Just after I asked chapter. After, just years years later. <laughs> after I should have. It's the Iceland of books. <laughs> Truly. And this is how I'm feeling about Sally Rooney right now. Wait, well, then, Jim, have then, you... then there's only two votes. <laughs> and both votes are love. Okay. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I'm sure she's listening and will be so happy. (laughs) Um, Why do you love them? Oh, it's sort of what I was describing about Edith Warden, too. I mean, I I love books where the subtle power relations and gender relations and the little funny, invisible, nuanced moments that happen in intimate couples um, are, are, like, just dissected and nailed and like the little that like frisson and energy that just gets put on the page and it's so alive and you're so in those people and believe them so authentically and she's just great at that Uh, yeah it's true it does feel sort of electric on the page when you read it and it's also incredibly frustrating to read because you see these characters not listening to each other and completely miscommunicating their emotions and what they really mean and you just want to like Throw the book out of the window, but then at the same time, you can't stop reading it. Can I ask, what's the who falls on the hate side? I didn't even know that so many people did. I think, but you're. I think it's really just Twitter. Oh. So I don't just know how Twitter, much we can. Because she is lauded. Because Conversations with Friends was nominated for the Booker. Yes. And then I guess normal people, it's too, it's too it early just at the moment. It just dropped, it just right? Yeah. So you've read Normal People. 
since you said that Conversations with Friends was a good poolside fruit platter book, where <laughs> would you set someone ideally reading? Mm. Normal people. I read Normal People on a deck. <laughs> was there fruit? <laughs> um, no, there wasn't fruit. There was uh, there was lots of coffee. Again, I mean, I just feel like when you when you open those books, you can't put them down. And I, I actually also, you know, they're, you know, both of those novels are primarily set in Dublin and around Trinity College. And I think, firstly, I, I think you know anyone that has spent any time sort of in a university and that like bubble and that mm. that sort of when you're on like the tip of everything at that age mm. is that alone feels very I don't know at least to me felt very like beguiling to read and I got mm. very wrapped up in the world of Trinity and all of that but at the same time in both books the characters are taken abroad and the way she writes about these like wealthy European vacations is so she just nails it, and I just I can see the house, I can see the people. It's just it's she, oh, she gets it so right. The book that I'm going to throw into the ring is like a real downer from there, um, because it is from here to eternity. Caitlin Doty's book about traveling the world and learning about different countries, like death cultures. Um, she's a mortician. She wrote The Smoke Gets in Your Eyes, which is like one of my favorite books. Oh. I am generally a very squeamish person, and the way she writes about how we die and what happens to the body when we die is so interesting and fascinating. Is she that, sorry to interrupt, is she that mortician that the New Yorker profiled a few years ago? Uh, probably. She is like, probably like the most like, famous the cool kid morti- the cool mortician. mortician. Yeah. Um, and I find that the way that she writes about death to be really fascinating and not, it's not like doomsday. Like when I say it's a downer, it just means that it's about death. It has nothing to do with the way that she writes about it. But she travels all over the world, going to Asia, going to places in the U.S. Um, that have really interesting alternative burial modes. I just, it was like something that I never thought I would be interested. Hmm. This is my jellyfish book of hmm. 2019, yeah. guys. This, this sounds like your jellyfish book. <laughs> no, you made me really want to read it. And I, then, and I then just, I... it's like so fascinating and something that I like never would have thought I would be interested in, um, but reading her first book just about her being um, working in cremation was so fascinating that when I saw that she was writing a travel book, I was like, oh, this will be even more up my alley. And it was. It is great. And it's like 250 pages or so, so you can get through it pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought it was really beautiful. And it made me think, oh, gosh, I should probably talk to my parents about what I want and what they want and what everybody wants oh. so that we're all very well prepared. But I love already what is amazing about travel is... Realizing that things that feel like norms to you are so just inherited and societal and that, in fact, there's so many other ways of being and seeing and behaving and mourning and grieving and bearing in this case, I guess. And so how interesting to use death as a lens into what different countries and cultures uh, do and see and practice. And so much of it is about taking care of each other. And I think mm. that that was the most fascinating part to me is how death plays into families and communities and how different communities with different cultural norms that go beyond grieving and mourning and death influence that mm. specific part mm. of someone's life-ish. This <laughs> is off topic, but Aquafina is a an, an movie upcoming about... Um, oh, it looks so good. It's about uh, a family kind of reuniting in um, their home country because her grandmother is dying and they don't want to tell her grandmother that she's dying. So, like, this woman is is unaware of 
of her own impending death. I mean, she's she's quite old, and it's I think she's like a little sick from what the trailer looks like. But it's about like how they're trying to honor her and not scare her and have this thing be celebratory and not the the kind of the end. It is called the farewell. Hmm. It looks, um, but it looks really very incredible. It looks really beautiful. It is set in China, and her whole family goes over. Because the grandmother has been diagnosed with terminal lung cancer. And so they're all like yeah. there to take care of her and hang out with her, but not let her know why. I think everyone she thinks is there. they're there for a wedding. Yeah. It's supposed yes, to be I based off so. of this American life story. Because this was a this American so. life story. <laughs> yeah. Actually. Yeah. It sounds like one. I was like, this is very familiar. <laughs> it certainly sounds like something they'd run with. <laughs> um, Polly, what else do you have for us? This year, things that I've read that I've loved. I'm just trying to pick my favorite one so far. Uh, The Water Cure by Sophie McIntosh. Anyone in the room? No? Mm -mm. It's kind of like end of days, apocalyptic-y, but also culty. So it's this weird, fun, like, marriage of two subcultures I love. This feels very, Mm. very up my alley. Yeah. (laughs) So it's it's fiction. Almost everything on my list is fiction. Um, And it is about three daughters who live with their mother and father, on an island you think kind of the geography of it is very is very foggy and dreamy but they are it's it's written so obliquely that you kind of don't know if they're survivors of a thing that is real or if they're trapped in their father's crazy like weird sex cult like the eldest sister is pregnant and you kind of don't know how she got to be that but the father's called king their mother's called mother and it's about these three girls and the water cure which is like all the world around them is toxic and exposure to men in particular is toxic. And so every every few months, King goes to the mainland to procure supplies for his family and protect them and then has to go through this cure. And every time someone gets exposed, the like, ways in which he talks, they talk about exposure to things that are toxic and poisonous are fascinating. And then they have to go through a series of rites and tribulations to be cured and protected from this kind of unknown obscure toxicity and then so king goes off to procure supplies this is not this is not a t- terrible spoiler it's kind of in the the jacket blurb um and does not return and then three men show up and it's told in three parts through the points of view of of the daughters of how what happens when these three men show up and kind of unfolds from there npr what did npr say um it makes toxic masculinity literal, uh, <laughs> which is like a, a funny way of reviewing it. But it's also like, it's you really don't really know what's going on until you kind of get through till the end of it, and it's so good. I might actually have to buy this yeah, on my home. So I don't need to read this good. right away. It's so good. You, it's like you're halfway convinced that it's this. It's a cult. Is it a cult or is it actually the end of time? Who knows? Who knows? I, I finished it and can't tell you for sure. Okay, great. Cool. Lolly and I are going to read that next. <laughs> yeah, it's excellent. Uh, that's The Water Cure by Sophie McIntosh. I think it was a big bestseller, too, yeah. Yeah, and I think it was a Man Booker finalist. Yeah. Amazing. It was so good. How did this, like, fly under the radar for me? Every now and then, like, a real winner just sings under the radar yeah. for a year or two and then pops back up. I found that with not Little Fires Everywhere, but her first novel. Oh, yeah. Um, everything I Never Told Everything you. I Never Told You by Celeste Ng, yeah. just like no one talked about for the first year and a half it was out and then rebubbled up. In paperback up. it became a big In paperback it like totally exploded. And Little Fires Everywhere is getting made into a movie, right? Her Reese second, her second novel. Yes. yes. And Carrie Washington. Yeah. 
uh, with Reese Witherspoon and Kerry Washington, yeah. which is going to be really so good. Exciting. But also another lady author who I'm obsessed with, Celeste Ng. I fangirled over her so inappropriately hard one year at BEA, <laughs> which is like inside baseball book con that happens um, for book publishers and booksellers. And I just like stalked Celeste outside of her signing <laughs> and was like friends with the PR girl who was like going to introduce me to her. And I was, I was so deeply obsessed with everything I never told you. It's, have you, have you guys read it? No, to my shame, I haven't read either of her books. I follow her on Twitter. She's very good on Twitter actually. Oh God, she's so great. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Celeste. But yeah, so I think, <laughs> I promise I'll stay away. I think <laughs> Paulie is fan enough for all of us. <laughs> apparently. Truly. She's so brilliant and her books are so brilliant. These weren't on my list because I didn't read them in 2019, but everything I never told you and little fires everywhere are so good. But I'm going to read them in 2019, so it counts. I will read them this summer. <laughs> Second half, and do then it. we can talk about them. Do exactly. It. When yeah. we reconvene in like December, it will definitely be on my list. Because I have a long list of stuff that I need to read this summer because mm. it's been Bumpies a very busy top. year. And I also feel like there's been so much TV, good TV this year, that mm. like my book reading has fallen to the wayside, which is so horrible. Well, when you were talking about toxic things that all I could think about was how shook I am from watching Chernobyl <laughs> just, just staying with me um, I got through an episode and then was like I again would rather read about gore than watch it so I paused my Chernobyl adventures but mm-hmm. we'll see um, Jen what else have you got uh, well this is a good follow up for the water cure actually because it's a book that similarly maybe you don't know what's real and what's not real and actually the things that you think are ghosts are going to turn out to be real and the things you think are real are going to turn out to maybe be ghosts. What is it? <laughs> um, so there's this wonderful young writer named Taya Obret who had this big bestseller called The Tiger's Wife almost 10 years ago and then she has spent a long, long time working on this new novel and it's coming in August. I was lucky enough to, I'm, it's, we're not publishing it, but I got an early copy and uh, I love her writing so I read it and it is set sort of during the time of the expansion of the American West and has this great female heroine who, you know, with her husband and sons is out homesteading and then her husband just never comes back. Speaking of actually... <gasps> like King! Like King, I know. That's why I was like, whoa, whoa, same ideas. Anyhow, but Taya, who herself is from the Bosnia-Croatia region and like does a lot in the first book with mythology, kind of brings that back in this. And so there are... It's set, you know, in the desert and there's so much sand and it's hot and there's all these kind of spectral beings around that the tough mother is like that it's they're fake. They're not real. You're seeing things. Um, and in fact, it turns. Well, I don't want to give out too much. I'll just I'll just leave it at that. But <laughs> just leave it. But at the I impact. love I love how she plays a lot in that space between between what's just in our minds and what is actually out in the world. And is there even a difference at times? And she does that so beautifully and it's it's a good because it's so hot and sandy it's either the best or worst thing to read on the beach or or out on your like national parks tour of america this mm-hmm. year because it's like so mm-hmm. in that mood and place. i'm going to new mexico at the end of the summer so maybe i'm going to read it just sorry what was it called again Oh, sorry, I didn't even say it. it's called inland i-n-l-a-n-d and that's an august release beginning of august i think yeah and I also want to note, actually, that it's really great to 
pre-order books because authors really yes. benefit from that. It so is. if you like the sound of it, just go on Amazon and pre-order it now. And then it just shows up in your Kindle. Yeah. It's so fun. It's like a fun exactly. surprise. <laughs> the exact day it comes out. So you it's don't even just, have to wait to go anywhere. think about it. It was like, magic. It's book so, magic. <laughs> I'm going to do some book magic and I'm going to read it when I go to New Mexico because I'm going to a wedding that is on Ghost Ranch, <gasps> Georgia O'Keeffe's old that compound. is so cool. And you have fancy friends. I am <laughs> so excited. I am, um, Meredith knows all about these friends of mine. I am friends with triplets from Santa Fe who live in New York. And this will be the third and final wedding wow. of the triplets that I'm attending. That cool? wow. And they're all very cool. <laughs> <laughs> and so a trifecta and it's going to be on Ghost Ranch. And I'm so excited. I cannot wait. And then we're um, going to spend a few days kind of driving around the desert. I will be driven around the desert. Yes. As everyone knows, I don't drive. So I'm like very excited to get into like the desert. Yes. Yes. Sort of American West mode. Yeah. Just don't read it too late at night or like hold someone's hand. Oh, you know? okay. You could, Good to know. You could read in prep for that, which is not deserty so much as just like West, Northwest, Idaho based. Educated, the Tara Westover. Did you read Educated? Yeah. Oh, the Tara no. Westover memoir, which was. Great. Memo- so I have, I have two memoirs that I, I've done I this year. I have a memoir too. Do you? Is it Becoming by Michelle Obama? No, it's not. Let's, oh, God, let's get some. <laughs> you just spoiled your other one. <laughs> Sorry, Which one do you I want to talk excited. about first? Well, we're talking about Tara Westover. Okay. Um, so it's it's her. I can't. She's not. She's like LDS, but not. Latter-day Saints. Yeah. Thank you. But she's like, her father is like way more like. Way more extreme. Way more extreme, crazy on the edge. And she grows up with several, like a a house full of siblings and like doesn't go to school and lives in the like the mountains. And they're they're on the, um, there's this like very famous hostage situation in her hometown in Idaho that her dad was like, see, like the feds are after all of us. He's like one of those. And it's her memoir, like growing up in that. And then realizing and kind of sorting out her own education and, and life and how she has to leave and what leaving means for, for that for her family. It's great. Adding it to the list. Yes. And like, what's your pitch for becoming? Because I feel like just generally that's like a yes for everyone. Also want to say that like every sort of beach resort, pool, hotel, anywhere I've been, I have seen one woman reading Becoming. It's like the new Harry Potter. I yeah. love it. Like it, everyone is carrying it on the train and at the beach. It's so it's great. Really when I was nice. in Bermuda, there was, I saw multiple women by the infinity pool, like uh, nose in Becoming. I read, I love I read that. Becoming in Zanzibar. It was my beach read for Zanzibar. But it is, I just like, am not, contrary to, you know, evidence in the last five minutes, I'm not a memoir person. And mostly not a political memoir person because I think they're like generally poorly written and obvious. But I found her story and her telling of her story so spectacular and was really well written. And I just like didn't know how much of it and didn't know like how how thoughtfully she made decisions throughout her adulthood and like going into her life with Barack. It's just so spectacularly written. But not, it doesn't need a pitch. It's it's Michelle Obama. You should read it. It's great. And also, she like, she's just the best. <laughs> I feel like it's one of those books that you want to actually purchase, even if you have a Kindle, because well, just you want... for that cover. It's the most Aww. joyous cover. She just looks so great on the front. <laughs> I love her. Hi, <laughs> <Bye>, Michelle. <laughs> if you ever want to come on Women Who Travel? Seriously, she's traveled a lot. <laughs> My other suggestion is to me the ultimate beach read because I read it in one 
sitting, which was great, which was my sister, the serial killer. Guys, like we were really oh. on a roll with the books that I'm reading this year. This and one's funny, though. It's, it's not it's not dark. No, I mean, like, it's, like, violent (laughs) because her sister is the potential serial killer. Is it fiction? Uh, It is fiction. Oh, Um, I thought this was memoir. (laughs) Lol. Wouldn't that be great (laughs) if my two books were about (laughs) dying and then a woman whose sister was a serial killer? I mean, you love a theme. (laughs) I do. It's, I mean... There was only one jellyfish last year, but <laughs> death is apparently the theme this year. Um, but it's a first novel, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken, mm-hmm. by a woman named Oyinkan Braithwaite is how I'm going to pronounce her name. But it's about this woman in Nigeria whose sister uh, is like accidentally air quotes, like full use of air quotes killing all of her boyfriends it's just it's so fast-paced it's so well written in a way that you just like can't there's no pause for like for you to come up for air so you just have to sit and read the whole thing at once because you can't leave at any point because she could kill somebody else i'm imagining that this character is a sort of villanelle from killing eve type very similar and it's told through obviously the sister who's like picking up all the pieces after her sister who is just like he was just really annoying or it was like totally an accident and it's it's just fascinating like as a sibling to read it and be like oh yeah like you're gonna do anything like you're gonna do anything to make sure that this person is fine (laughs) and you also hate them at the same time (laughs) um but it's oh I loved it and I read it like in within hours because it was uh it was just like Delicious is what I would say. And murdery. And murdery. Gotta love it. <laughs> Very different type of book that I just finished, but was an absolute delight, was Save Me the Plums, the memoir by Ruth Reichel, who was former editor-in-chief of Gourmet Magazine, the huge, huge, huge food magazine that now no longer exists. And it is just this, like, fun, rip-roaring memoir about the food world and the glossy magazine world and, you know, the challenges that come up against a print editor-in-chief. And there's so much fun Condé Nast gossip. And I think even if you don't work in publishing or media, like, you still get such a kick out of it and the characters that she paints. She also just writes about food really brilliantly. And it's so visual. There's a great scene where she goes for this just ridiculous meal in Paris by herself and this sort of elderly man starts buying her, feeding her oysters and the way she... Buying her or feeding her? Those are two very Buying. You know, he doesn't feed them to her. But I sort of feels like... That would be bold. It would be a bold (laughs) move. I think the man in this book is like 90. Um, I wouldn't have the courage to feed Ruth Riggles. No, no. Um... And, you know, and there's, there's, you know, so many great sort of characters and writers in it. And she, there's a whole chapter about when they sent David Foster Wallace off to Maine to write about a lobster festival, which then became Consider the Lobster, the essay that he, his very famous essay about how lobsters feel pain and the <laughs> ethics of food and the things that we eat and cook and travel for. Um, it's brilliant. It's so fun. I read it in no time and was that, that a Bermuda read for you it was my Bermuda read and couldn't put it down anytime I had a second by myself I was just sort of picking it up and reading it and I will say you know I think we've talked about this on these episodes before very strange book cover 
very strange oh, book her cover. book covers sorry mm. <laughs> like Polly's just shaking her head no no not representative of what a fun thoughtful book it is it looks like a book on a book right yeah that is how was that so, someone in the office described it as that it was like what you think a book looks like it's like if you opened a book and they took a picture of it and then they put that on the cover of the book it's very weird and it makes like Looking at it online, you're like, "Is there a <laughs> is warp there a, in the system?" And, and on the on the back cover, it's like a picture of her standing on a hill, looking out at like the sort of I think it's sort of upstate New York or something. But it sort of played that sort of vista plays like zero role in the book, so I like, don't, don't understand why they put that picture there. But love it so much fun did you read she did i know she has a ton of books but just the one novel i think i think she just did one novel i think it's called delicious yes which i i have not read mm. i'm very curious to read her memoir it's supposed to be excellent well which, i borrowed it off steph so you can borrow we'll it just off. pass it around yeah there's, i think there's like a sort of growing cue for it <laughs> that's how a good office is yeah. do we have any last minute entrance Oh, I was just going to submit a memoir since we're talking about memoir. Well, and, we're here. and Mexico City is so trendy. Everyone is going right now. There is a must-read women's memoir uh, called A Visit to Don Otavio by a woman who wrote this in the 19, either 40s or 50s, who was a woman traveling alone to Mexico at that time. And it's kind of her diary journal from her trip to Mexico. But I loved, like, travel back then compared to how we travel now and that's not that long ago like she got on the amtrak train in chicago she had sent a letter ahead to a hotel she'd found in like a book in a library and would arrived in mexico city hoping that the hotel would have received her letter and have a reservation for her and like it just it just goes on and on and like the hardships and trials of traveling around even then getting around the city and what that was like without you know not even technology, but like not even really like working phones necessarily. It's and she's a beautiful writer. So her name is Sybil Bedford, and it's a really delightful. Like it's rare to have kind of women traveling alone memoirs from that time. Seriously, so, love yeah. to read that. Yeah. Also, we did joke in a pitch meeting recently that we were going to send me on a trip like that where I have to travel with no, with phone. no <gasps> phone and no technology yes. or, or resources and. Um, Oh, my God. I think it's a pipe dream, but I think it would be hilarious and I really want to do it. <laughs> oh, that's a brilliant idea. If you want a real version of that, it was inspired by Katie Weaver's yes. uh, New York Magazine? New York Times New magazine? York Times style section. Okay. And they did an entire, uh, it was a, for last month, they did this entire issue dedicated to Gen X. And they made Katie Weaver, you know, very much a millennial, have to work as though it was 1994 for a week. And so they like took away her phone, they took away her email, and they might have taken away her computer. And obviously she's a hilarious writer. And if you know you haven't followed her on the internet, I highly recommend that you do. And the way she writes about how she adjusted to her new way of living is And had to like hilarious. write down her fiance's phone number because she didn't know it. <laughs> it's amazing. Okay, Polly. I'll pick one. I'll Your pick one. one. Pick. It's gonna be ooh, it's a toughie. I'm just gonna tell you both of their names so you can you can search them on your own. It would be between an American Marriage, the Tayari Jones. Ooh, I've been desperate to read that book. And The Immortalist by Chloe Benjamin. I'm gonna talk about the Immortalist because Oprah's got the Tayari Jones covered, <laughs> and so I feel like she needs us less. The Immortalists is this really wonderful book out of Putnam that came out last year, I think. 
uh, by Chloe Benjamin, like I said, and it's about four siblings in New York who kind of have, they visit a fortune teller, they like hear talk of this fortune teller, I think like their children in the 60s. And this fortune teller tells the like rumor they hear about this woman is that she tells them they shall tell you the day you're going to die. So they, they go to visit her. It's this, this like very traumatic visit to this woman because they all have to go see her individually. So it's four siblings. And then it's then it's four chapters of their lives at, after they have have this information. And I kind of can't say any more than that because it will give away all of these chapters. But it's great. I keep picking it up in bookstores Do and it. flipping I, through it and then I put it down and there's no real reason why I'm putting it down because it sounds fantastic. It's good. Good jacket. Good read. Amazing. Okay. Last minute. Do you have anything more to say about Sally Rooney in our last <laughs> two seconds of this podcast episode? I do. With conversation with friends, I feel like there hasn't been enough said about the way she's written about women's chronic pain and endometriosis. Oh. And I feel like it's a sort of novel about that in lots of ways. And I f it hasn't been talked about enough. And I think it's really interesting. And it's going to hopefully speak to lots of women who have mm. been suffering from chronic pain and have perhaps not been listened to. Mm. And they will have a place to mm. kind of feel like their voice is being heard. Beautifully said. Thank you. And with that, we will end the episode. Um, you can find all of the links to purchase slash check out the books that were mentioned in this episode in the show notes. So check those out and let us know what you are reading this summer. Polly, where can people keep up with you? I am on Instagram mostly at a banana every time, guys, at a banana's <laughs> handle. That's going to be M-A-T-I-N-A-U-X-S-A-U-L-E-S. I tried to tag you in something on Instagram earlier and it took me a long time to find <laughs> it. I'm really sorry. Our PR director was like, do you want to change it? <laughs> like, nope. I really don't. It's been my I love it. good 15 years, so I'm going to hang out with it. And Jen? I'm on the Twitter, uh, just my first name, Jen, but with four N's because other people took it. <laughs> J-Y-N-N-N-N. Excellent. Amazing. I'm at Oh Hey There Mayor. I'm at Lale Hanna. Reminder that you can grab slots on those women who travel trips at elcamino.travel and check out all of the content that we have, all of our meetups, everything else that has to do with our Women Who Travel universe at womenwhotravel.com. We'll talk to you next week. Hi, I'm Lauren Good. I'm a senior writer at Wired, and I'm co-host of Wired's Gadget Lab, along with Michael Calore. Each week on Gadget Lab, we tackle the biggest questions in the world of technology with reporters from inside the Wired newsroom. We cover everything from personal tech. Because asking people to put a computer on one of the most personal and sensitive parts of your body is just like, it's a big bet. Broader trends in Silicon Valley. There are just so many laid off workers out there that workers just don't have a lot of power. And the exciting and terrifying world of AI. It's inevitable that the internet is going to be filled with like AI generated nonsense. And so he just thinks he might as well make some money playing a small part in a thing that he sees as unstoppable. Wired's Gadget Lab is here to keep you informed and to keep it real. The entire point of the phone should be on some level to hate it. <laughs> <laughs> New episodes of Gadget Lab are available weekly wherever you get your podcasts.